Hornady presents American Roots Outdoors Radio with uh, Alex Rutledge and his friend. I'm the Red Bull Mike Grace. Alex is here. Wayne's here. And we got uh, turkey season going on. It is the weekend of the uh, youth season in Missouri. And, of course, that'll be our focus today. For the most part, it's going to be turkey hunting. Hi, guys. How you doing, Redbone? I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. How's everybody on that end? We're doing good. We're all here in the uh, editing suite here at our house at the Rutledge Homestead. And uh, Wayne's building a chicken coop. Yeah. (laughs) You can see it on Facebook. It looks pretty dang good. I told him he's got to start his own construction business. And he said, not. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, no way. <laughs> well, see, here, here was here was my take on it, guys. Is is, and I'm no expert, but I've had a chicken coop now for about five years, and mine has four walls and a roof. And I think Wayne's going to have to put that on his too, or it's not going to hold the chickens. Yeah, you know, I took your suggestion to heart, and uh, <laughs> I wanted to make sure that uh, I was doing it right, so I did look it up, and you are correct. It should have four walls and a roof. I, I was mistaken on that, so I'm, I'm going to have to go out and buy some more material on that. <laughs> I was trying to go with cheap end on that. Uh, but chickens are a lot of fun. I mean, I have, I have chickens. Alex, I know you have chickens and turkeys and all kinds of uh, fowl, but they're, they're a lot of fun to have around. Yeah, they are. That's for sure. My kids come over here all the time and play with uh, Alex's chickens and turkeys and chase them around and that. And I tell you, it, it's a funny story how I got stuck with these uh, 24 little baby chicks, though. I went up to uh, MFA there in Birch Tree and uh, said I need to get a $6 bale of hay. And uh, Marie goes, well, hey, you know, while you're here, I have someone that uh, wasn't Marie it, Crider. Yeah, Marie Crider. Yeah, she said, I have someone here that uh, decided they can't get their uh, – their chickens they ordered because they got laid off and that, you know, because this coronavirus uh, stuff sure, going on. And right. They, uh, she goes, you know, can you, uh, you want to take a look at him? I said, no, not really. She says, well, why don't you send a picture to your wife? I was like, oh, no, I can't do that. <laughs> she knew what she was doing. And sure enough, I sent a picture to my wife and she's like, oh, I want them. And I ignored the message. I left out of there and I called my wife. She's like, well, you, did you get the chickens? And I said, no. I said, I thought, I didn't know you were serious. I said, I don't even have a chicken coop yet. Where are we going to put them? She goes, well, you better go back and get them. Somebody else will get them. I said, man, it's it's only been a minute. Ain't nobody going to get up there. I called Marie back. She's like, hey, somebody's taking the six right now. I said, no, 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 I'll take them. <laughs> so my $6 bale of hay, I ended up coming home with 24 chickens, two feeders, water bowls, all for a $6 bale of hay. I should have waited an extra day. Yep, yep. Well, that's the way it goes sometimes, but you'll have a lot of fun with them. Oh, and, yeah. and the well, eggs will be fantastic. about having these chickens in your yard and your turkeys. They eat all your tips. Uh, yes. That's right. And they won't spread coronavirus. Oh, that's right, too. <laughs> and they give you some good eggs to eat, too. That's Amen right. to that. Amen to that. Well, anyway, we've got a great show lined up for all of our listeners. We've got Mike Tater Havlin is going to be calling in on the second segment of the show. Mike's going to be talking about his new position with American Roots Outdoors as the director of video productions. And he's also helping uh, manage the brand along with Wayne Locke. And we also got... Uh, Another special guest, it's a conservation agent, and he's uh, going to talk about new season and some other things. 
But we're also going to focus this show about vocalization of the wild turkey. I'm going to be demonstrating calls. I'm going to be talking about what each call means and how to produce those sounds on the American Roots calls. And you can order these calls from our website, right? Yeah, just go to www.americanrootsoutdoors.com and uh, go to the shop tab. Click on there, and we have all our lineup of all our turkey calls. And if you want to prepare for next fall, we also got our deer call. And if you want to look good all summer and spring and fall, we have our apparel, too. Yeah, and, and if you want to become a dealer, you know, just contact Wayne or, or Tater or Mike Redbone Craze or myself, and we'll get you set up as a dealer. Absolutely, and that's for the calls or the apparel, either one. Yes, exactly. You know, uh, we've sent in a letter to a major chain store. We haven't made the announcement yet, but they have nine stores, farm stores. And once we get ill done, uh, we're liable to be all over southeastern Missouri, pull them up to St. Louis, all of our calls and apparel. Oh, wow. That'd be fantastic. That'd be fantastic. So anyway, we got youth season coming up. Last week we talked about how to prepare your child for youth season. And uh, we, I think we've done a good job. Our, our numbers on podcast are really good, Wayne. Oh, yeah. They, the uh, youth season seemed to be a very popular topic. Uh, within 24 hours, our numbers just spiked tremendously. I think people knowing that youth season in a lot of states are getting ready to open up here, either they already have opened or they were just getting ready to open. So it piqued a lot of interest. People took those tips to heart, I'm sure. You know, something you'll learn about our show listeners while you're listening all across the world, we're in 19 countries now with our podcast and our radio talk show. It's unbelievable amount of attention that we need to apply to our next generation. We've got to take these kids outdoors because they are the future of hunting. And we talk about it all the time, Wayne. And uh, it's up to you and me and all the listeners to take these kids and share the outdoors with whether it's turkey hunting fishing or trapping, whatever it may be, get them outdoors. And we just want to encourage all of our listeners and followers to do that. I want to give a big shout-out, too, to all of our sponsors, Texas Raised Hunting Products, Eagle Seed, Hornady, Hornady Ammunition, and also our local sponsors. You know, we've got a lot of local stuff, sponsors in our area here, Monty's Outdoors, Dalton Pallet, Ellie's Rebuilding, Eva Detailing, Red Beards. West Plains Auto World. You want to mention them? Yeah, West Plains Auto World. And, of course, we've got uh, the T-shirt place over at Alton. Uh, Outpost Expressions. And, uh, of course, you got uh, Attorney attorney, uh, uh, Zane Prevett. And uh, other folks at Texas Scent Eliminations. I mean, just a lot of folks all over the place. Countryside Chevrolet in Donovan, Missouri. Exactly. Countryside Chevrolet and uh, uh, see, uh, CST Hauling and uh, M&M Propane. That's it. MS Propane. Yep. yep. Yeah, I said anyway, M&M. Anyway, yeah. we've got a great show lined up for y'all, and uh, we're going to go to a break here in just a little bit. And uh, we've got a great show, like I said, and the next guest is Mike Tater Applin. Talk about video production, direction that American Roots is going in TV be back with more American Roots right after this. Hi, everybody. This is Brad Harris. You're listening to American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge and Friends. Hornady presents... 
American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge and his friends on the Red Bull Mike Race. And as Alex uh, mentioned in our last segment, uh, we're going to kind of switch gears here. We're going to talk a little bit about the newest member of the American Roots Outdoors family. We got Mike Tater Havlin on the phone. Mike, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing great, Mike. How you doing? I'm doing okay. So I got to ask first question because we want to take this time here to kind of get to know you and what you're going to be doing uh, here with American Roots. Uh, where does the nickname Tater come from? <laughs> actually, um, a gentleman y'all had on the um, podcast not too long ago, Brad Harris, actually gave me that nickname years ago. Really? And, um, he he always gave everybody a nickname, and, uh, and that just kind of stuck with me. So. <laughs> And I mean, what was what was there any reason behind it, or did just that just what flew off the top of his head? Well, I think when we first met, um, I had cowboy hat and cowboy boots on. I used to ride bulls a little bit, and and there was a bull rider named Tater Porter. And uh, so when he walked into camp and saw me, he just started calling me Tater because of that. And then uh, <laughs> and later that evening, uh, he was the only one cooking for about twelve guys, and I went in the kitchen and asked him, uh, you know, if he needs some help. He said, uh, Yeah, he said, make me some. Uh, uh, baked potatoes, and I was like, all right, I said, how do you want to fix them? He said, I'll just wash them off and throw them in the microwave, and and uh, he said, throw about a dozen of them in the microwave for about 10 minutes, and, and I cooked quite a bit, and I was like, you know, that, this ain't going to work, but he's the boss, man, you know, I was sure. young, you know, I was, you know, early 20s, and, and uh, anyway, to make a long story short, about half an hour after everybody was through eating supper, the taters were finally done, and of course, it was my fault, so uh, he said right then and there that uh, tater was... Uh, sticking with me and that's how it's going to be known and here it is you know 20 25 years later and, and people still call me tater so <laughs> well i tell you to get a to get a moniker like that from somebody like brad harris that's not a bad thing at all no no he's uh he's actually one of the uh i'd say probably one of the top five all-around hunters i've ever been in the in the woods with i mean as far as hunting every species of game across sure. the board and just a you know just a tremendous um uh, game caller uh you know just just a tremendous woodsman and uh and i learned a lot about vocalization and um and decoy and and all that from brad and uh now a lot of my success to him all right so let's uh for the folks that don't know who uh tater havland is tell us i mean who are you where you come from kind of give us your your american roots if you will well, I was born in southwest Missouri, a little town called Rocky Comfort, Missouri, where I called home. And, um, you know, all my family still lives up there now. I live down here in uh, Conway, Arkansas. I'm actually looking overlooking the Arkansas River right now. Oh, man. And, um, yeah, it's it's flowing real good right now. But, I bet uh, it is. No, I can't. Yeah, yeah, it's it's flowing hard. Um, but, no, I was raised up, uh, you know, just a country boy. I mean, we, you know, it's 30 minutes to the nearest town. Um a lot of times, you know, as a kid, I never would even make it into town. Um, you know, mom and dad do all the shopping and all that. And so, you know, I got a 22 and I was, you know, providing food for the family, you know, rabbit hunting, squirrel hunting behind the house. And, and uh, my dad, you know, grandfather, my uncles, I mean, everybody in my family hunted and fished and lived off the land. I mean, we always had a garden and, and all that. And then, uh, that's pretty much, you know, uh, that was my life. I mean, I, and I told my dad, my mom and dad at a very young age, you know, I was going to do something in the outdoors when I grew up and, uh, you know, and, and eventually, you know, what I w really wanted to do is go into a, be a wildlife biologist. And, uh, and I went to school for about two years 
And then, uh, but you know, about sophomore year in high school, a gentleman by the name of Brian Higgins uh, introduced me to uh, to film and wildlife. He had a small production company, and we was doing a bunch of hunting and and stuff around locally, you know, Missouri, Kansas, Arkansas, mm-hmm. Oklahoma, and uh, and then that's that's how I kind of got my start in filming. But I never really wanted to be a uh, you know to make it a full time living until about my sophomore year in college, and that's kind of where that took off. Wow, so where'd you go to school? Um, I went to school, went to high school at Madonna County High School, uh, Anderson, Missouri, and there's a local college, um, junior college up there uh, called uh, Crowder College in Neosho, Missouri. Oh, yeah, famous for its yeah. baseball teams. Crowder College has some yep. great JUCO baseball teams. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And uh, um matter of fact, one of my friends, uh, uh, Travis Phelps, uh, went to school there, and uh, he was actually the lowest draft pick to ever make it into the majors. Uh, played for the Tampa Bay Devil Rays and uh, and um, you know bounced that's around cool. a few teams and uh, but yeah that's where I went to school at I I ended up uh, because uh, uh, you know being there in Yosha, Missouri that's where Brad Harris is from it's where Loman Game calls uh, eventually Outland Sports bought them out and so that's mm-hmm. that's actually the first big company that kind of gave me a break in the uh, you know the outdoor you know video industry. Now Alex told me that you have uh, you have videoed. Uh, some of the greats in the outdoor business. I mean, he said you have been there with, you know, what with Johnny Morris, is that correct? And, and some of the Bass Pro guys? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. So how Johnny does... Morris is, uh, man, he's a, he's a great guy. I mean, people who don't know Johnny, um, he's just a very humble, genuine guy. And I, I enjoy you know, all the time I've got to spend with him. I spent three weeks in Africa with him. I uh, went to uh, Kodiak Island. Uh, filming oh, wow. brown bears with him. Um, I've just been all over the country with him and his son, John Paul. Okay. You ever film for Jerry Martin? Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, he was one of the, uh, the first hunts that I filmed for Bass Pro. Um, we did a, a coyote hunt down in Texas and, um, but, uh, you know, we've, uh, gosh, I couldn't tell you how many hunts we've been on together, <laughs> chasing turkeys and, and deer, you know, all, all over Kansas, uh, you know, spend a lot of time down in, uh, uh, Florida, yeah. uh, around Okeechobee, uh, turkey hunting, okay. and, uh, you know, just another great guy, you know, and I think his hometown's right there at Thayer. Yeah, yeah, I'm right here mistaken. from Thayer. Yeah, there's a lot of people listening right now know Jerry Martin. I guarantee you that. Yeah. Yeah. All right, yeah. so um, so uh, what made you want to come over to American Roots? I mean, how did how did this connection take place? We just got a couple of minutes left here. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I've met Alex years ago through the NWTF. I've known Alex, you know, just through TV and all that, and, mm-hmm. and uh so uh, through the NWTF, we got to do a hunt together. I mean, it's a long time ago, and um, you know, we just kind of kept in touch at the trade shows and all that. And then this past uh, NWTF convention, um, I just went in for the one day. I had my uh, my family with me and uh, my little five year old girl, and and uh, and Alex loves my little girl to death, you know. And, and uh, I told my wife, I said, "Man, there's one more guy I need to see." I said, "I need to hunt Alex up." And actually, we were just one row over from him, and we just walked up there, just breezing by. Um, you know, just going to say a quick hello and goodbye, and and uh, within five minutes he was, you know, inviting me to be part of the American Roots team, and and uh, and I told him, I said, man, I said, you know, that's great. I said I don't have, you know, much going right now. I'm doing a lot of fishing stuff and all that, and it just seemed like a real good fit. And uh, went up and visited Alex up there at Birch Tree, and and uh, the rest is history. And uh, so he named me the new director of video production, and. And so, uh, you know, we're really excited, you know, what the future holds and uh, to be able to grow, grow the American Roots brand. 
Yeah, now you're doing a lot of the editing and, and stuff too, and I understand we got a new show coming out real soon, or one came out uh, this week. Yeah, it's actually uh, we're wrapping it up right now, and um, so you know it's um, you know it's just a learning process for all of us guys. You know, a lot of these guys that's on the team, you know, aren't professional um, videographers or producers, and so you know it's um, this is just real hunting from you know, and, and these guys are just capturing it as much as they can, and you know we're trying to you know, make uh, the best stories we can out of it and, um, you know, just uh, pass on, you know, a little bit of their knowledge. Um, and that's one thing I, I, I'm continually, you know, learning, um, you know, and I've got a lot to learn as far as calling turkeys and all that. I've probably, I've witnessed almost 700 turkeys um, hunts over the years, and uh, and I still don't consider myself, you know, a great uh, diaphragm mouth caller, and that's where I'm hoping Alex would be able to help me out with some of them great calls that he has in sure. his uh, American Roots line. Yeah, and I'm sure he will. I'm sure he will. Yeah. Well, Mike, we're about out of time here on this segment. We, we just want to welcome you into the ARO family and, and hope people got to know you a little bit here today, and I'm sure we'll talk again and uh, maybe come turkey season we'll get a chance to spend a little time. Absolutely, Mike. I appreciate everything you do for us, and uh, um, I really enjoyed our time together. All right, folks, that's uh, Mike Tater Havlin, the newest member of the American Roots Outdoors family, and uh, we'll be hearing from him from time to time, and you'll be seeing his stuff as you uh, watch the video productions from the American Roots Outdoors gang. All right, uh, we need to go to break. When we come back, we're going to have the Ozark, the the supervisor of the Ozarks region of the Missouri Department of Conservation, Gerald Smith, talking about some changes in the way you get your landowner tags. And we're going to talk about the uh, turkey population in southwest Missouri and really statewide. So stay tuned for that. It's coming up in just a couple of minutes on American Roots Outdoors Radio. Hey, everybody. This is Michael Water with Bone Collector, and you're listening to my buddy Alex Rutledge on American Roots Outdoors, man. Don't miss an episode. Do you need rock, gravel, chat, sand, or mulch hauled? Call CST Hauling, 417-349-2018 or 417-683-0202. Ask for Corey or Sherry. These guys do an excellent and great job. They will get the job done for you. Hornady presents American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge and his friends. And we are privileged to have with us now the uh, regional director of the Ozarks region of the Missouri Department of Conservation, Mr. Gerald Smith. Gerald, how you doing today? I'm doing well this morning, Mike. Sun's up and uh, spring is here, so that's a welcome sight. You know, normally uh, this time of the year, we'd all be out running all over the place in the springtime. But uh, under yeah. circumstances, uh, things have kind of slowed down in the great outdoors, haven't they? Yeah, I think everybody's uh, eager to get out, uh, being cooped up, uh, you know, with uh, you know this uh, kind of stay-at-home order, and not not get out and socialize too much. Yep. All right, so uh, let's talk a little bit about, and we want to talk about this, uh, uh, some new ways to go about getting your landowner permits for the turkey season, because turkey season is going to be here in just a few weeks, and and I was telling you on the phone before we went on the air uh, that uh, I actually had a, a message from a friend of mine who had gone to town to get their landowner permits for turkey season, and they couldn't get them. And uh, that's because they hadn't gone and registered online. So, Gerald, tell us, you know, what it is landowners that want to get those permits. And this is not just for turkey hunting. This will be for deer season, too. What it is they need to do. That's correct. 
So back in August, the Conservation Commission approved this landowner registry, and, and just a little history with that. I know we have to think back a long time, but if you go back to 2003 and before, landowners always had to apply for landowner permits. They had to send that application into the department, and then they would get a you know a deer or turkey hunting permit back then in 2003. Well, in 2004, we just decided we was going to simplify things, and you just go to a permit vendor and get your landowner permit. It didn't have to verify anything. Mm-hmm. So over the last 15, 16 years, we've saw a lot of abuse with that because there was no accountability with it. So and we've seen an uptick in violations as agents check people. They don't own the property. They, you know, they're using landowner permits on property that's not there. So the commission, side, in fact, in 2017, did a study and about about 30 percent or a third of the people uh, were were actually who were getting landowner pro- per, uh, permits weren't actually uh, qualifying for those. So. So then we come to today, and uh, well, back in August when the commission approved this landowner registry. So what this is is basically a little bit more intentional on the landowner's part, part that they're going to have to uh, supply some information to the department that they are actual landowners and qualify as per our definition for those uh, free permits. So, um, like I said, that was back in August and January. Um, you know, the department mailed out uh, little uh, postcards, essentially, giving this kind of information that, you know, landowner, you know, to uh, landowners that they needed to do this. And, and these cards initially were mailed to everybody the past couple of years who had bought or who had got a uh, turkey per, uh, permit, mm-hmm. landowner permit. So it didn't go out statewide, essentially. They just had a registry of, of those. So, but a lot of landowners, you know, I talked to one yesterday, he, he had got it. He was like, you know, I did get that, but I, I really forgot about it. So it, it was something easily forgot. Uh, in January, we kind of bombarded Facebook and m- news media outlets that this is coming. You know, g- mm-hmm. g- you know, you can, you know, need to get prepared for this. And so we're we're just a couple weeks out this weekend's a youth season, so we're it's really quick approaching. We're getting a lot of comments with that too. Uh, but there's there's so there's two ways to do this. You can do a paper form. You can actually handwrite this out. Um, you know, in order to do this, you would need your uh, real estate. You know, from your uh, the county collector, essentially your real estate property. Um, um, t- uh, tax uh, receipt, right. and that has information on there that you need. Or uh, and, and and basically that's what it comes off of. You got to have that. You know the landowner is who has that anyway. So mm-hmm. by having that, it should be only the landowner or anybody he would designate in his household to have that information, that property information. And and you can handwrite it. You know you can go and, and handwrite that and mail that in. But I'll tell you right now, especially with everything else going on. If you mailed it in today, it's not going to be processed by turkey season. So that's the long way to do it. The quick way to do it is go on to the Department of Conservation's website. And uh, when you open up the main page, you scroll down just a little bit, and it says landowner application, apply for landowner permits. And it's a step-by-step basis uh, to go through. They're pretty simple. Uh, a lot of drop-downs as far as filling in that in. And then, like I said, you got to have that real estate uh, receipt their uh, uh, property information with you, and, and that, that's really only two things you got to have. You know, a conservation ID, driver's license, social security number to initially get you into the system, so it pulls your information up, and then you kind of enter that. And once you enter, you're good for three years. Every three years, you're going to get a notification: Has anything changed? Are you still this landowner? And simply yes, yes, no, or no, nothing has changed, or yes, something has changed, and you'll have to change that. So it's a three-year. Okay essentially rotating uh, uh, renewal in that aspect. But once you once you do it online, it's retroactive. Once you enter, enter that information online, then you automatically can get those uh, uh, free landowner permits for anybody in your household. And you have to do one for, you know, 
immediate household members. So if, you, if your wife was going hunting or you had children or, and it doesn't have to be a, a blood relative that you live with, with, but it does say any, you know, the landowner or anyone in their household. Okay. So uh, you would then, I mean, after you register online, then you would go to your vendor and, and, per- and, and ask for your tags? You could go to your vendor or those that or even on your computer. You know, you you know, we have the mobile app, or right. you can go on computer and you can get it too. So, and a lot of people take advantage of that now, especially with the social distancing aspect. Uh, you know, I, I went to the mobile app on a, a smartphone. You download our uh, Mo Hunting app, and you can get your permits there. They're held on there. Uh, that permit is a valid permit. It, it gives you a way to notch that permit, uh, keep keep a history of that, and that's a great way to do it too. So. Um, but so you have different options with permits too. But yeah, once you go onto the online online section of that and you enter your information and, and you submit it, then it's retroactive essentially. Once it's submitted, then then you can get that permit. All right. So uh, I guess this begs the question: uh, Are landowner permits? I mean, are those good during the youth season for the kids to hunt on? Yes. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, a youth always has. You know, that of course that landowner permit's only valid on that property. So if you're like right. I talked to a landowner yesterday, had a sizable chunk of property and i said we need to get that done he's like well i'll be honest with you i go hunt with my brother some on his property i'm just going to buy my permit because i don't always hunt on my property and and he was you know he was he was being honest about that you know sure. you know like i said we do see a lot of violations if somebody gets just a free landowner permit but they go hunt somewhere else but in that situation he had a huge chunk of property he's like but i don't always stay on my property so i'm just going to buy my permit and not even mess with the, you know, there are more mobile animals, and some farms don't have as many as others. So exactly, but yeah. So, so a youth can always purchase it. You know, a, a youth, uh, you know, fifteen and under, if they want to purchase it, eight dollars and fifty cents. You could once again go into the mobile app, or once again, if they fill that uh, online landowner application out for their property, once again, that is free if the youth still lives with them. Once again, that that's in their household, uh, you know, immediate household member. All right. So here's another question for you, and then I know you're you're busy, and I'll, I'll let you go. But uh, say someone does get their landowner permit for the turkey season and then they decide you know what i'm going to go hunt uh, up in the wilderness can they then buy a permit to go hunt the wilderness or once you get that landowner permit or is that the only permit you're going to get no you you can also buy one you you know and we do see that happening but i mean they're still limited to two birds so you can't get a landowner permit think well i can kill two gobblers with this one or, or or male birds and then uh or a bird with a beard, and then go up to the forest service, or you know, buy a permit, and then kill a couple more. You still have a season limit of two, so uh, that that's a key factor there. Like I said, you can still purchase a permit, uh, but like I said, you are still held to a two bird limit. So, uh, real quick, uh, what do you think the prospect is for this year's spring turkey hunt? Well, it's uh, it's a, it's not looking the greatest for sure. Uh, you know, a lot not a lot of individuals I've talked to not hearing a lot of birds gobbling. Uh, I'm not seeing a lot of the turkeys out there. I know our population's down. Uh, I mm-hmm. wish it was different, but it, you know, that's just the fact of the matter. It is down, and and you look at our trends. Our harvest trends have just continually. Last year was a little bit better in the Ozark region, 12 counties, the Ozark region. We killed 4,500, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, then the year before, which we killed 4,300, uh, so it was a little bit better last year. We didn't have a great harvest or a great hatch last year. Once again. I think doesn't mean there's not some, you know, pockets of good populations of turkeys here and there, but uh, it's definitely down. I think we have a lot of older birds out there. Um, you know, we don't have a lot of those two-year-old birds that like to gobble, so that may be one reason why they're not hearing a lot of birds. But uh, sure. weather-wise, you know, spring is, is here, and uh, they should be, you know, should be sounding off, but it, I think it's going to be a tough season uh, without question. 
right. and that just fills our region. Statewide, I'm sure there's other parts of the state that maybe have a little bit, you know, the numbers are a little bit better, but well, down here, we're just, we've been struggling the last few years, and we really, you know, we really need a year or two of some really good hatches to rebound. Yeah, and we, dependent on that. And we need more predator hunters, uh, Jerry. Yeah, yeah, that would help, too. There's no doubt, uh, you know, the poor turkeys, uh, just about anything, any predator will eat a turkey, especially a poult. Uh, yeah. You know, whether it's avian, you know, from the air or ground one, and, uh, uh, of course, can't shoot hawks or anything like that, but like I said, even from the ground, uh, coons, coyotes, bobcats, all those animals are going to take advantage of those. So, you know, they, they're always, I think a turkey is probably always fighting for its life because like I said, it's out there as a, a big target on it for a lot of predators. Yeah. And, and you, you know, and that's kind of strange it's that way because for the, uh, you know, the ultimate predators, humans, they are so tough to kill because of, oh, yeah. uh, you know, all the factors. But then for the predators in the wild, it seems like they don't have as big a problem. Yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah. And, you know, weather weather's another factor. Now, our our, sure. our turkey should be, you know, health-wise should be in good shape. Uh, we had a mild winter. Uh, we actually had a lot of acorns out there. So, you know, a lot of those things were, you know, going mm-hmm. for them. But, uh, we, you know, we need we need the right conditions for hatch or, you know, for nesting and then a fairly dry early part of summer for that when those poles come off and hatch. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of factors that play in. Uh, with uh, with turkeys and reproduction, and uh, I think you know we have the habitat. A lot of landowners are very conscious about that. We have a lot of good habitat out there, and uh, so I, I don't think that's the key factor by no means. Uh, well, you know, we as mm-hmm. a department we do well working with landowners and creating that habitat, and landowners are self conscious about that too. So, like I said, that that aspect's there, but like I said, all those other factors go in. Sometimes the stars just have to align. All right, Gerald, thank you very much for being with us today. You're listening to American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge and his friends. We'll be back with more in a moment. Hey, this is Eddie Salter, and you listen to American Roots and Outdoors with Alex Rutledge and friends. Hornady presents... American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge and his friends. And uh, uh, Alex is rejoining us now on the line. And uh, uh, just got done uh, talking with uh, Gerald Smith, uh, the uh, director of the uh, Ozarks region of the uh, Missouri Department of Conservation. And uh, Alex, he's concerned about our turkey numbers out there, as I think most people are in southwest Missouri. I think uh, it's taken its toll, the, the, the wet spring we've had and predators and terrible hatches. Yep. I think people's not hearing the turkey. I know I'm not. Most turkeys I've heard one morning is two more two gobblers in one morning, and usually, you know, a good morning you can hear five or six. Yeah, well, and this time of the year, I mean, they ought to just be tearing it up right now. I talked to a guy today, and Burstreet said he heard fifteen in a spot. He said, Alex, they're spotty, and he's been to different places. You may go to one spot and hear one. You may go to another spot and hear five. In another spot, you hear ten or fifteen. Wow, so they're spotty. I think uh, food plotting and think people feeding, keeping turkeys bunched up, and I think that's another reason that you're not hearing a lot of gobblies because the people that are feeding are keeping the turkeys bunched up longer than they normally would. And, you know, one of the things that, uh, that Gerald said, Alex, I think probably plays into this a large part, too, as far as not hearing birds, he says there's a lot of older birds out there, but there aren't very many two-year-olds. Uh, because of the bad hatches and, and the, the wet springs that we've had in the, the early wet summers, he said there's a lot of old birds, but not a whole lot of two-year-olds. And, of course, we all know those two-year-olds, they do most of the gobbling. 
Redbone, you know, I'm always traveling around different parts of the area here in, in the Ozarks, and I talked to several different people, and I've talked to a couple of different people that seen Jake's in groups. One group was over 20, another group of 15. So I, I, I've got to think, and Wayne, that these turkeys are just good in some areas and terrible in others. So that's where we're at. That, that could be. I know uh, the other day I had uh, a three-year-old boy that we're adopting. I had him out in the woods and was teaching him all about uh, turkey sign and looking for turkey tracks and turkey feathers. And, you know, we uh, we went to the area that uh, on our property where I, I know there's turkeys there, and sure enough, it was four up with turkey signs. But uh, the only thing is that, uh, you know, every morning we go out and we listen, and we're not hearing nothing. But I know the turkeys are there because it, there is a lot of turkey signs. I don't know why they're being so quiet, Redbone, but, man, they're just not making any sound by me right now. Well, maybe they're just being lazy. All right, so, Alex, I know you wanted to demonstrate and kind of go through uh, having a conversation with a turkey bird. So, uh, you know, I know you've got some of your calls there, and, uh, you know, we've got about six minutes here. What have you got for us? All right, well, I think we're going to do a part one and part two for the bonus segment okay. of turkey vocalization. I think the main thing to understand about turkey hunting is that we love the challenge of calling to a turkey and that turkey gobbling back and responding to the call. So American Roots, we make a variety of calls. We've got friction calls. Uh, we've got a Margaret slate call, which is a 3-inch, and we've got a 3.5-inch slate call, which is Evelyn. And we have a new glass call. It's a 3-inch named Maureen. Only got a dozen of them right now in stock. And we got a box call that we named after my mother, Laverne. Now, all these calls serve a purpose. And we have a tube call, ARO tube call, then we've got three different models of diaphragms, and we've got locator calls, etc. But here's where we're going to go. The first sounds that we need to learn as a turkey hunter, we're trying to imitate the hen, the female turkey, to lure that gobbler in. When a turkey gobbles, the male turkey, he's gobbling to attract the hens. Mother Nature, as a rule, he starts gobbling. And those girls hear him, then all of a sudden the hens start going to him. Now, we are trying to reverse Mother Nature, Wayne, listeners, to lure that gobbler and fool him to come into gun range or bow range. That's why it's important to have a variety of different calls with you because he may respond to one call over another. So what I'm going to do is start with a diaphragm here. And this call right here is called the M150 ARO, and I'm going to produce just a, a tree Put. And putts can mean different things. A putt can mean, hey, everything's all right, I'm waking up over here. Or an alarm putt, and I'll demonstrate those, can mean danger. Everybody leave. A warning sound. So here's the soft free putt. Well, she's waking up. She gets real soft and she'll get louder. Then it'll go into clucks. Here's the alarm putt. And here's the tree clucks. I'm going to start as the hen waking up in the morning. She'll start putting. soft yelps. That's a tree yelp. And what she does, she's saying, wake up everybody. Wake up, big boy. I'm in love. And he responds. He's saying, I hear you, baby. 
So they're communicating. So again, we're trying to reverse this Mother Nature as a rule and make that gobbler come to us. So the name of the game in calling turkeys is doing the right sound at the right time, Redbone. Mm-hmm. When she flies off that roost, she will do what we call a fly-down cackle. And I'm going to do this on the M150. I'll do it on another call, the L300. We've got three different models. This is the L300, and it sounds like this. And I'm going to start real soft and easy with three putts to get it into cuts. Fly down cackle. She's very excited. Flying down. You learn to do that cackle, that can excite that gobbler, make him leave the other hens. Another thing that uh, listeners take uh, note of, when they do that cackle, when you go to do that cackle, take your hat off. Flap it. Realism. And yeah. add some realism to it. And There you go, just like that. You'll, you'll hear it. Yeah, it adds realism. And sometimes you don't even have to use a call. You can just take your hat and beat your hat yep. to simulate a turkey flying down. And they hear that. Several yards. They can hear it up to two or three hundred yards, depending on how calm the wind is, etc. Now, once the hen hits the ground, she's going to start yelping. Some people here in the Ozarks, we call it calkin. <laughs> it's funny. We go to the city and go to the show. They say, "Yeah, I calk to that goblin." They said, "Calk? What kind of call is that?" Well, it's hillbilly slang. <laughs> here we go. This is the E two fifty. And I'm going to do a, a mating yelp. It consists of three to five yelps. I'll do some soft clucks. The clucks simulate, I'm here, look here, come here. And it sets up for the call. Hey, look, I'm trying to talk to you. So here's what I'm saying. mating yelp everybody now you can call louder quieter you got a bird close you don't call as loud as i'm calling right there i can do it softer again that gobbler's responding he's communicating he cuts you off interrupts your call it means you're controlling him he knows where you're at he's wanting to come to your location or trying to beg you to come to his location so as it progresses, and I'm going to go to another call here, and this call here is the Margaret Slate. She will start cutting. Cutting's excited call sounds similar to cackling, but she's showing aggression, excitement. Hey, big boy, I mean business. I truly am lonely, sad, and lonely. Get over here, big boy. And it sounds like this. mating yell. Once you learn to do that, and that gobbler's on the ground, and you hit him like that, and he interrupts you, he gobbles two or three times in the middle of all that cutting and stuff, just keep cutting to him, get him fired up, and shut up, and make him look for you. Once he starts coming in, got your gun on your knee, 
your safety's on until you see the bird. And when you see the bird, you push your safety off slowly without getting detected and get ready to close the shot. Make sure you see the beard before you shoot. So that's some of the tips with calls. Question, Wayne. Yeah, it, well, and if the bird, if you think the bird is hung up, uh, one of the things you can do is cup your hand when you're using your mouth call. Throw that, throw that sound behind you. Mm-hmm. Make it so that the bird thinks that you're you're moving away or the hen's starting to leave. Same thing with the diaphragm call. Take the bottom of the diaphragm, face it away from you, behind you. So this way it starts shooting the sound, you know, behind you, and it'll start thinking also that that hen's going away. And it may, it may bring them in a little bit closer. Great tip, Wayne. And what I want to say, too, that God will say he comes in and he hangs up after 70, 80 yards. Mm-hmm. What you can do is take that market slate, cup your hand on the bottom of the call, the volume hole is at the bottom, and just hit it real slow. And if you've got some kind of blind up in front of you so they can't detect your move, just hit them soft up like this or soft cluck. Soft cluck. I'm here. Look here. That's what a lot of hens will do. I've watched them thousands of times. Just enough to make him think you're further away and you're still there. So if he interrupts you, that means you're still controlling him. Okay? And you'll be hearing him drum. The drum is a sound made by the gobbler. He's saying it's a silent gobble, like a silent gobble, and I'm down here. That's his sound, communicating. It's a mating ritual sound that they do as they're coming in. And as a hunter, you hear that sound, you think, well, he's right there in front of me. I'll be over here to the right of you. <laughs> Sounds, pitch, and everything. But we can go on and on and, and talk about this, and we're going to talk more about vocalization in segment two at the moment. Okay, yeah, and will that be on, our, on, the, uh, on the bonus here on the podcast? Yeah, part two is the bonus segment. Okay. other vocalization with other calls and how to close the deal on a hung-up gobbler. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up right here, folks. If you want to hear more on how to get those gobblers in close enough to close the deal, as you say, Alex, uh, you're going to have to go subscribe to the podcast. And, uh, Wayne, real quick, in about 15 seconds, where do they find the podcast? You can find us on Apple Podcasts, iHeart, Spotify, Pandora, Podchaser, Podbean, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Alexa. And oh. Pandora. Oh, oh! I did say that. I, I might have missed it. <laughs> right, I think you got it. it. See y'all next weekend. Hey, sign up for the bonus segment. Remember, when your roots are deep and strong, you have no reason to fear the wind. So you never got to worry what the wind might do. American Roots. Thank you for joining us for today's American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge. You can find us on Facebook. Look us up on the World Wide Web at AmericanRootsOutdoors.com. We'll be back again next week on this great radio station. Hornady presents. Welcome back to American Roots with Alex Rutledge. This is Wayne Locke, Mike Crace in the studio. And if you're listening to this, that means you are signed up for our podcast and you got the bonus segment, which you can only hear on the podcast. Alex, you were just talking about uh, turkey calling, and let's share some more techniques here with everybody. Vocalization part two. And we've talked about the tree putts, tree clucks, fly-down cackle, the mating yelp, cutting. Now I'm going to talk about clucking and purring. There's many different ways to produce the clucks and purrs. You can do them on a diaphragm, do it on a box call, you can do it on a slate call. The soft, content purr, and that's what I'm going to make now, what they do when they're feeding. 
another contact call as you want to close the deal with that guy or if he's hung up out there, just start fucking and erring real soft. He's saying everything's all right. The bugs are good over here. There's food source here. And it's another way to make contact to close the deal. Now, the aggressive purrs, they will do this, Redbone, Wayne, listeners, when they're fighting. And his will also do this, and it sounds like this. And again, I'm using the Margaret Slate call. It sounds like this. This is aggressive purrs. They'll gobble in between it a lot of times. So when does that call work best, Wayne? When a gobbler's hung up and you're challenging him, or hens are hung up, you can challenge the hens. Right. That, I was just going to say that's one good thing to uh, challenge a hen. If you got the, the tobs will only go generally where the hens are, if they're hemmed up. But if you can get that hen, that boss hen, to come to you because you're making her mad, which is how I closed the deal on a turkey just a couple years ago in Ohio, I could not get the tom to come in. So I started cutting the boss hen off. Every time she would yelp, I'd cut her right off. She'd yelp, I'd cut her off. I made her so mad, she finally said, hey, I'm the boss. I'm going to go over there and whoop somebody's butt. I had her walk literally 15 yards in front of my barrel gun, and she brought that Tom right behind her, and it was a big mistake on his end. But if, you, if you're hunting with somebody, if you both start doing that oh, yeah. fighting per, boy, does that sound realistic when you got two of you doing it at the same time. And if you can't, you're by yourself, and you want to sound like several different hints, that's why you want to have an arsenal of calls with you. The, the ARO, Evelyn Slater, Margaret Slater, Maureen Glass, the box call. Here's some purrs on the diaphragm. And this is the E250. diaphragm too it takes a lot of practice what i want to talk about now is a box call a box call can be used for locating it can be used for closing the deal like and a lot of people love the box call because it sounds more realistic to a wild turkey than any calls probably made and i'm going to demonstrate here box call is made of wood it's got a screw holding the lid on it's got a spring underneath the screw in the lid and inside the box itself is a chamber. It's got two walls. It's hollowed out. You drag the lid across the call. That's one side. Here's the other side. This call is named after my mother, Redbone Laverne, and she means a lot to me. Everybody that buys a call orders it off the website. I write a special note on the back of it, and I date it, and I tell them to treat her with love because this is named after my mama. That's exactly right. Yep. So if you want to get volume, let's say you're walking a logging road and it's late morning, there's not nothing gobbling, you're trying to get a turkey gobble, it's going to be loud, everybody. So listen to this. I'm going to cut. And I'm going to yell.
to him pleading, Hey, boys, where are you at? Uh, I've come off the nest. I, w- I want to kiss you in the ear. So that's what she's saying there. So the box girl is great for locating. And if you want to close the deal, and again, you got a blind in front of you, you can get real soft. the way hens yelp and communicate. Yeah, and one thing to keep uh, in mind, we've been talking about all the calls and that that you need to keep in your vest, different arsenal and stuff. One thing to remember is make sure you bring in something or you pack something in a Ziploc bag to tune your calls while you're out there because, boy, you get a greasy fingerprint on your call, you get moisture on it, you got to have something to take care of it. For your box call, you're going to want some chalk. you got to keep a good... Uh, uh, sidewalk chalk is, is real good and handy. I, I always steal a little piece of my kid's big sidewalk chalk. Uh, but uh, uh, for scratching your surface of your calls and that, you can use a stone if you have a glass call. Uh, they make uh, special stone strikers that you can use. But uh, for your slate calls and that, use a, a piece of sandpaper. You can use a scotch bright. Another thing that I find works really well is the sandpaper that you use, it's a screen that you use for drywall. When you're sanding drywall, it's got that screen to it. Boy, does that tear up a call real good and gives you great sound. Always good to carry extra stuff with you and tools to keep your calls fresh. Like this call here, I need to chalk my box call. Trick to do when you're chalking your box call, you know, is never to touch your fingers to the lid because we have oils in our skin. The same way on a, a friction call. And what we do the next show, maybe next week, we can touch on how to properly take care of your that's one to touch on that, but I want to demonstrate for you too. Locating birds, just two quick locator calls uh, as the day progresses and the morning starts to break daylight. This is our American Roots Owl Hooter. You can buy these at dealers near you, order them on a website. All you're doing is huffing air through the call to simulate the sounds. Who cooks for you? Who cooks for y'all? Check this call out. Sounds like this. That's the ARO 
old tube car, everybody. And we appreciate y'all tuning in, listening to us, and uh, tell all your friends about our podcast and our radio show. We really enjoy sharing our knowledge with you. And remember, share the outdoors with a child. Take them outside. That's right. And it, it, please leave us a review. Share us on Facebook. Share our podcast when we post them up there. Enjoy the radio show. If you can't catch it on Saturday mornings when it's live, the podcast is one great way to listen to Mike and Alex and myself as we uh, share our knowledge in the outdoors with you. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Mike, you got any extra words? Uh, no, nothing at all, except good luck to all the youth hunters who are out hunting this weekend. Yeah, and be sure to share your pictures with us on our Facebook page and your stories. We want to hear from you. And what we'll do is we'll have a giveaway contest. Everybody that shows their picture and shares it on the American Roots Outdoors page, we'll pick a winner at the end of the season to give away a cap or something. Uh, we'll wrap her up here, everybody. Thanks again for listening. And again, our slogan... When your roots are deep and strong, there is no reason to fear the wind. The sun ain't up, they ain't down. We'll be waiting when they hit the ground. Big time coming, it's what we do. From a whippoorwill to an old owl's who Sitting still till it's time to shoot.